Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Valerie Cherish. <laughs> Just kidding. It's me, Brett, the Anxious Gay. And welcome to another episode of the Anxious Gay Podcast. This has been a lot of fun. It's actually been a great distraction while we are all in quarantine. Here in Toronto, as of today, we are back in lockdown because our numbers are continuing to rise. And um, honestly, I feel like I've never left lockdown. So I don't know what people have been doing. (laughs) I've really only been going to the grocery store and getting essential things and... I haven't dined indoors or anything like that, but I guess people have been doing that a lot. So not much changing over here, to be honest. I gotta say, we also had our first snowfall in this city, and it was beautiful and wet, but seeing that snowfall was really great, and it really just reminded me of... The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So I watched the rest of those episodes. And let me tell you, these women, the casting on this show is phenomenal. It's like they took a housewife from every different franchise and brought them together for Salt Lake City. It's wild. I'll get more into it at some other time. But if you're not watching it, you need to be watching it. Another thing I watched was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion, which was absolutely amazing. Um, it was one of the best reunions I've ever seen, having them all come together, having the OG Aunt Viv there, and for Will and Aunt Viv to sit down for the first time in, like, 27 years and hash out what was going on. Ugh, and the tributes to James Avery, like, there were tears, there were laughs, there was making amends between those two, there was discussion on everything the show brought, Black Excellence, it's phenomenal, it is such a good... Reunion, I think you should all go watch it. It's on Craven Canada. It's on HBO Max, I believe. Um, And then also, Will did a follow-up on Red Table Talks. He did like a Red Table Takeover. And they get more in-depth with OG Aunt Viv. And it is excellent television. It is wonderful content. It brought me back to when I was a kid watching Fresh Prince. Um, So yeah, that's what I've been up to. And I've also been talking to Kyle Buchanan. Kyle is this total babe that I remember seeing in a certain commercial when I first moved to Toronto when I was younger, phone company. Kyle was one of the um, five cast members of a campaign for that phone company. And I remember being like, who is this babe? And through the years, I've connected with him on social media and we've talked on Instagram but we've never actually met so we have this amazing conversation he's a nutritionist his Instagram is full of tips and tricks and he's always talking about uh health being healthy mental health pooping it's all great and we get into all of it we talk about a lot we talk about anxiety we talk about our dad issues we talk about being bullied it's it's really fun episode and we really dive into a lot and we learn a lot about each other so i hope you all listen and enjoy and learn a lot about kyle and me uh once again please please comment like subscribe all the things you can slide into my dms if you have any questions or concerns or you want anyone else on the podcast and there we have it here's my conversation with kyle buchanan kyle buchanan is a licensed nutritionist speaker and actor 
In our interview, we talk about overcompensating while in the closet. If they like me for every other reason, then exactly. maybe they'll still like me if I share this horrible secret about myself. When he decided to take care of himself and focus on wellness. There was a great level of professional success, but personally, I was like self-destructing and things were not good. Body issues in the gay world. Confidence is the sexiest thing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm nitpicking my body and nitpicking how I'm looking, spending in whatever state, that's not confident. And of course, his favorite topics, health and digestion. It's also the great equalizer. We all poop. Oprah poops. We're all, yeah. you know, we're all just human. Here's my interview with Kyle Buchanan. Hi, Kyle. It's so nice to meet you officially, oh, finally. <laughs> I know. It's lovely to meet you as well. I feel like we live in this weird Instagram world where we know of each other in every single detail of personal lives, but have never actually met. Well, exactly. And I feel like that's what the world is now, especially since we're all living indoors. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, completely. Who needs, who needs physical contact anymore, right? Oh my God. Don't get me started. It's been you a very see... long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's been intense. It's been, it, it, it's been a trial, but you know what? We're doing the best we can. Totally. I'm so happy to have you here on this podcast because I mean, like you're a nutritionist, you're a speaker, you're an actor, you're all of the above. You're a wellness expert on the morning show. And in this podcast, I mean, anxiety is in the title, so we're obviously going to oh, talk God. about it. <laughs> I love it. I love, I like the title is amazing. I don't know, did that just come to you or what was the story behind that? Well, I mean, I started doing it as like a little cooking project. Like I made these little yeah. videos where it was like the anxious gay cook and it was just about how I would use just like the simple act of cooking. It doesn't have to be good food. It doesn't have to be like blow your socks off food, but just like yeah. how cooking made me feel productive and made me feel like I was doing something and really yeah. would calm me down. Like, especially like if I was like having like anxiety and like hangover anxiety, I'd be like, I'm doing there, nothing today. You know what? Someone hangover anxiety, there's a term for it, but there's nothing like hangover anxiety. Yeah. It's ridiculous where you question everything you've ever done in your entire life. There is no hope. <laughs> like it is, it is a dark, dark world that we seem to want to go into again because we keep on doing it over and but over. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a shame over. That, yeah. that's what someone called it—a shame over. Oh, wow. uh, but yeah. So, anyways, I think the anxious gay is an awesome title. It encapsulates encapsulate. Sure. Yeah, it, it encapsulates me and you know so many people who struggle with anxiety because like yeah, like I, I gone to school and all this stuff, but anxiety is still a part of my life. Like anxiety, I call it my oldest friend. Like it's mm. something I've dealt with since I was a kid. So totally. my earliest memory is having like just a a panic attack, uh, you know, at age four on my kitchen floor. Oh my god! And then yeah, okay, well, mixed like, with a temper tantrum. <laughs> let's get into that then, since we're starting there. So that's one of your <laughs> earliest memories. Anxiety, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would just get so anxious over nothing. Like, it would take me, before going to daycare, my mom would say, and I don't remember this part, but I would look at the same, I had four white shirts, and I couldn't decide between what white shirt to wear. And they were, there was like Homer Simpson level identical shirts. Right, right. And I would just, we would be late for daycare more often than not, because I couldn't decide. And then socks were another issue. So there were just like these little OCD tendencies that manifested in extreme anxiety. And so it's definitely been a part of me. And I call it like, I, it's an term of endearment. Now I call it my oldest friend. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been it's been with me since the beginning. But it's definitely it definitely shaped my childhood. That's so interesting. When you say that, it reminds me of one of my, I was thinking about this the other day, one of my first thoughts, and it actually does kind of tie into this title and the whole freaking podcast now that I think about it, was I was so young and I, you know, I, I was hanging out with the neighborhood kids. I was probably, I don't know, like 
five or something. And, you know, kids like play doctor, like whatever. And like just our little kids peeing in the backyard or something. And I just remember best game ever. (laughs) I just remember feeling so guilty about that. And then trying to go to bed that night and then waking up or like not being able to fall asleep and then like going into my parents' room to wake them up to tell them because I just had this like weird guilt and shame around it. And it's just so um, wild. I'm like, wow, that that says a lot. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I think growing up, it's, are you a people pleaser as well? Because that's how. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, I have the need to please. Yeah, need. And I feel, I feel like it's just a manifestation of anxiety. The need for people to like us to accept us and, you know, be validated consistently. And uh, I totally relate to that story. Um, So wait, where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a town called Orangeville, which is Mm. like an hour outside of Toronto, just uh, just up the street from the Schitt's Creek Motel, where where they shot it. So (laughs) yeah, so I say I grew up from shit, or (laughs) I'm from from shit, Um, because all the exteriors were were around my house. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, so I grew up like in the uh, country-ish, and yeah, uh, a lot of of theater kids came out of Orangeville. Oh, Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it was, it was a good place to grow up. But you know, I had, I had my share of like bullies and, but that's not unique to Orangeville. No, no, that's, <laughs> they're everywhere. Yeah, that's not, that's not a ding for Orangeville. It's just, a, you know, a ding for childhood in general. What was a grade school in high school like? It was interesting. Like I, I did, I was the kid that, you know, in elementary school, as I got into like grade six, seven or eight, you know, would stay inside. I didn't have like, I wasn't popular. Like I stayed inside to help the teachers. Essentially. I was that kid. Yeah. So and you were I a didn't go. Kid. <laughs> I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. yeah. And I wouldn't go, I wouldn't like in hindsight, it all, it's all perfectly clear. I'm sure no one suspected a friggin' thing. Um, I didn't want to go to like the grade eight dance. So again, I stayed to help the teachers and all that stuff. So that was fine. And then I was, I was bullied a fair bit in elementary school. I had a childhood bully that was on my street that took my bus who was in jail now, by the way, Oh, he started many a fire. So it's like the ultimate bully story. He started fires. He started fires. Yeah. And then I lost track of him and then I caught up and he was in jail. So it's like, okay. Silver right. Linings playbook. Uh, and then, so, but he, he was terrible. I was overweight as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was bullied a lot for it. And my, this particular bully would always call me fudge packer. And I didn't know at the time what fudge packer actually meant. I actually okay. learned what the term meant only like five years ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So what did you I'm think so, it? So I thought because I was overweight that I was so fat, I must work in a fudge factory so I could get the fudge for free and eat all I want. Kyle. (laughs) But I'm so happy that that's what I thought because had had I known what the term meant and that's what I was being bullied for, I would have, my anxiety would have been triple what it was. And it was bad enough already. Right. So that's interesting. So like, because you're so innocent and had no idea what that meant, you... (laughs) Didn't take it as like being bullied for being gay. It was being bullied for yeah. And that was my you know, growing up. My, my my bullying was never about sexuality. I, I didn't mm. date or whatever, but it was all about my weight. And then I didn't um, I didn't deal with that level of bullying or that you know subject matter when it came to bullying. There were kids in my school who were definitely bullied for that. And I remember walking and I feel terrible, you know, not now, but like as teenagers, and this is in mm. high school, you know, kids being called the F word 
you know, walking down the street and he was the nicest guy, right. but I didn't say anything at the time, which is terrible because I was so, you know, it's that terrible thing where I didn't want to be bullied myself or it, which is, I, I have shame over, but you know, you can't change the past. No, exactly. Um, and I think that's very, very common. And especially like, were you looking at that person and were you like, Oh, I am like that at that point. Yeah. Were you thinking that? Yeah. Well, I think, and it's so interesting. And I've never actually shared this publicly before, but like I knew by the time I was like a kid, like I knew something was different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember I was looking, my mom uh, is a personal trainer um, and she would also have fitness <laughs> books, fitness magazines. <laughs> yeah. And on the fitness magazines, there was like women on the cover because it was a women's fitness magazine. But in the back, there was always like the preview for like the muscle and fitness. Yeah. And I remember I must've been five or six. Uh, and looking at this this very strong muscular man and thinking and I don't know if this is my father issues but I just remember thinking like he looks like he, he could take care of me I like Aww. I feel safe looking at this I feel like yeah. excited and safe and all this like, kind of weird stuff um, but I knew very early and I you know but I didn't the thing is and I, I'm not sure your story but I didn't I wanted anything but that reality mm-hmm. and yeah. I had a I had an extreme and it fed into my anxiety into early 20s and like it 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 you know, re- probably why I wanted people to like me so much and think well of me and be the perfectionist because I didn't want them. If they, if they like me for every other reason, then exactly. maybe they'll still like me if I share this horrible secret about myself, which is ridiculous. But that's but what, you know, so many gay I, and queer people do, right? It's like, I you're know. like, oh, I'm going to be valedictorian. I'm going to be prom king. I'm going to do it. And I, whatever I was I can. valedictorian in high school. Yeah. yeah. I, it was, Um, I was student council president. Well, prime minister, because we're in Canada. So I was the prime minister, but yeah. I love it. I didn't know that was a thing, prime minister instead of president. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. It's so funny. You're saying all these things and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Because I remember going with my mom shopping to like Sears or Zellers or just something. And I remember um, going and seeing the underwear section that just had a, obviously a bunch of like men with abs in like green. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's like, it's like slightly black and white and gray. Yes. Like gray and white. Yes. Like, wow. And I actually That's remember me. like a package was on the ground or something. And I was like dragging it along with me for a while. And my oh mom my was God. like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I just liked it. <laughs> yep. How old were you? Did, so did your mom say anything? Or, no, like, when, I must've okay. been, that was very young. That was right before I really, really got into Greece and John Travolta. Because oh. I really got into Greece. John Travolta. Okay. That mine was mine was Dean Kane. Oh, Lois really? and Clark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I wrote him a bunch. <gasps> what Ridiculously. You... He never wrote back. I was so yeah. You never yeah, got like an I, autograph I was, photo? Not even. And I wrote him quite a bit. Uh I never got anything, but yeah, I definitely regardless if yeah so it, it was just the thing i just didn't want known and i it was the last thing i wanted even if like it took me a long time to come to terms with myself mm-hmm. you know it, even in oh, like i don't know like early so early 20s was an interesting time because mm-hmm. i i had moved to the city and i i had i i started i i dated um my first i had my first boyfriend for about four months and then i got this I thought it was a phase, you know, the bisexual thing. That was oh, my, you know, okay. that was my, that was my story. And I thought maybe there was a time, cause I, I wanted so much wife and the perfect, you know, white pick a fence. Honestly, my, at the time, and uh, I, 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 my thinking was if I have to be gay, then I just don't want to be around. And I just, I'll just, I'll just, that'll be it for me. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start the next life. I'll just whatever. Right. Um, but so I, I had my first boyfriend. I was kind of coming to terms and then I booked a really big contract um, where I was, 
in my early 20s where I was like the face of uh, this big t- uh, phone company. Yes, I'm very familiar. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they were, so that ended up being like five years. So as soon as I got the contract, I, it was a very thick contract. And in it, and this is nothing to speak badly, there was a morality clause in it. Oh, wow. And it said basically... If you're caught doing anything, you know, that's uh, unbefitting of the company and blah, like uh, it's, it's common to have morality clauses. And there was, it was no way discriminatory against uh, gay or anything. But mm-hmm. the way I took it at that time was if they find out, I'm going to lose this. So, and it was not their intent. Like that was nothing. It was my interpretation. No, of my so insecurities. you, it was your insecurities. You were just projecting on this morality clause, which is fascinating that that's what it's called. Yeah. Because that's how you felt. That was the lens you were seeing it through. Exactly. So I, I thought if I ever, I know I wasn't comfortable going to gay bars at all, but I'm like, now I definitely won't be able to because they'll, they'll see me. I, my, I, the narration just continued in my head. So I, I broke it off with my uh, boyfriend and I started dating a girl, which was Wow, like, Kyle. Which is awful. I just, it was terrible because it was, I, it was, I was so unhappy. Um, which is um, so wild because I remember seeing you in that ad campaign and being yeah. like, Oh my God, who's this dreamy gay guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was That's like, so funny. That guy. Oh my gosh. That's so wild. So you ended up ending a relationship and then started to like fake date a girl. Yeah. It was like a last ditch effort for myself because yeah. she was yeah. the, someone I worked with. She was lovely. She was beautiful. And I was like, ah, uh, and I, I just, so, and then I, I couldn't do it. Um, and then I broke up with her and was just miserable. And then, just started kind of Facebooking, like talking to different guys on Facebook and then started like a relationship through that. And that kind of wasn't the best relationship, but like it was Mm. such, it was all in secret. So there was such shame associated with myself and shame. I already like, like personal shame that I had, but then professional shame. Right. Because I was coming to terms with being, I I got into a relationship that I like too fast. Mm -hmm. um, And I was dealing with my anxiety from that and I was um de- dealing with you know personal anxiety where they would find out I was drinking too much because you know just escaping and so like oh it's great and it's nice you know when you're drunk and yep. then you're then you have shame over so it's just this kind of like at at a there was a great level of professional success but personally I was like self-destructing and things were not good um and then and then you know I got things got better and uh, you know I moved on from that relationship and started self love stuff and started working with a therapist and and um, how did they uh, get better? What was the turning point? What the turning point was? I, I started just spending more time with myself mm-hmm. um, and I started seeing a therapist and mm. I started working actually with um, a naturopath because I was on antidepressants at the time. And because I had been on antidepressants since before move for two or three years and I just wanted off them because nothing was yeah. working and I just felt a new normal and I wasn't. So I started it, doing all the self-help things I could. So I started seeing a naturopath. We weaned off my antidepressants with high dose omega-3 and omega-3 is a huge thing for anxiety and we can touch on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reading Wayne Dyer and all these self-help books and really started putting stuff into practice. Um, I, yeah. And I just started reconnecting with old people I had lost touch with and like slowly, but surely things just started to get better. And I, I started telling people that I was working with in, you know, in my field and, but mm-hmm. I didn't have to be, I didn't have to be drunk to tell them. And that was a big thing. Yeah. And it was just like the little strides I was taking. 
um, that I wasn't hiding who I was anymore. I wasn't super like, I would still, I would still disclose things apologetically, which is ridiculous because you're apologizing right. for yourself, which is ridiculous. Yeah, um, but it. over time, I started just realizing that the, also from a holistic perspective, the things that I had control over, like what I was eating or what I was taking supplement wise, or if I found a really cool like supplement hack, I was actually feeling better from it. And the 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 association of what I do has a direct effect the next day or the day after actually became tangible for me. Mm-hmm. So I started just putting more things into practice and realizing like, okay, what makes my anxiety worse? What makes me feel worse about myself? And like a big thing, and it sounds so trivial, was I used to drink a lot of Diet Coke. And Diet Coke <laughs> and artificial sweeteners are extremely bad for anxiety. Yeah. So I took that out and that made a big difference. So it was like little pieces here and there. And I, you know. Um, so this just, this just occurred to you. Like you were just like, ah, this is just something I'm going to start doing. Yeah, it took a long time. Like mm-hmm. it took, you know, it, a lot of like serious talk from with my mom and that whatever. But it, it started like it was definitely a period of like six to like nine months transitioning from like being single and being um, like I spent some time at home. Like I moved back home for a little period just to just to get my groundings again. Mm-hmm. And um, working with a naturopath really helped. Yeah, it, it sort of I would say within a period of three you know, I, I, I don't want to say it because I, I forget the timeline exactly. Right, I don't want right. to lie about it. Um, but one thing started to build on each other. It wasn't like a day where I was like, but there were, there were days where I decided, cause I've always found, um, I've connected with like strong female leads on, on shows and TVs, like the good yeah, wife and desperate housewives. Oh, so yes. I would always picture my, and I've always listened to soundtracks and this sounds so silly, but I always use soundtracks to kind of motivate me. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine myself being the lead of my own movie kind of thing and like starting anew and becoming the strong independent woman and female lead. And, and yeah, the strong female lead that has a cold heart, the cold heart I'm still working on, but like, I've always like wanted that the one who just like through adversity, like just, just tells everyone. So I, that visualization honestly helped me. Mm-hmm. So the Alicia Florex, the Alicia Florex, yeah, the Diane Lockhart, so, the Diane Lockhart. <laughs> it's so I would say it snowballed, but it started with, um, it started, a, a diet was a big part. Exercise played a big part in actually taking it more seriously than I was because I fell off track for a little while. And I, because I, I, I was overweight in, in elementary school, but then I worked hard to lose the weight. And then in my early 20s, because of all the stuff, I just lost my exercise thing and I got kind of back on track. And slowly but surely, um, I, I, it snowballed. And then looking back, it seems like forever ago. But right, right. Yeah. So you're mentioning your mom a lot and strong female leads. How's that relationship? You guys are good. You guys are tight. We're yeah, we're tight. Um, we're 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 tight. Um, my yeah, my, my I call it my my mom and my sister and me are like the trifecta. Okay. We have because yeah, growing up it, it was the three of us and my dad. My dad's great, but he was like in and out a lot, and he's out okay. Now. Um, so my relationship with uh, my mom is, is strong and she's always been there for me. And she's like, and I've been blessed that she's, she's been supportive of me from the start, which is I was, lovely. And, I was going to ask, did you like officially come out to her or were you just like, Hey, it's me, your son. I, I feel uh, like it's in stages. No, it was. So I asked her what <laughs> I asked her what gay was at, <laughs> at, at, at 11 in a Swiss chalet in Orangeville. Oh, and she was getting like, a Shirley temple. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Swish LA had the best Shirley Temple. Of we course, the same person. I know. Uh, so, and she she said, "Oh," and she explained it, and she said very like lovingly, and she's like, "Do you think you might be?" And I was like, "No, I just 
whatever. So the breast that in the rug, which is like, I'm just curious what it is. And then she has a recollection that I told her when I was like 17, but I don't remember that. Okay. Um, and then I, I think I officially told her when I was like 19 or 20. Okay. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And that you same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It took me, well, I think I was 18 or 19. Yeah. University okay. here at Ryerson. Oh, Ryerson. Amazing. Yeah. I used to live in the merchandise building, which is like right on oh. Ryerson. So I was like, I feel like I went to Ryerson because I was like, I did there. go to Ryerson and I lived in uh, Pittman Hall, which was very uh, I mean, packed. <laughs> amazing. But yeah, no, she's supportive. That's great. And your sister too. Yeah. Yeah. My sister is very supportive too. Um, my sister, uh, she's, we have a very close relationship. She's so funny. Um, I, I came out um, and then shortly after my sister took a girl to prom. So it was kind of like a really very like roller coaster. Yeah. We have a very like rainbow family. It's just me and her. And <gasps> um, I won't speak for her, but she, yeah, yeah. she, uh, she's lovely. And uh, yeah, we have a very, we have a very sitcom rainbow, <laughs> like desperate housewives family. It's desperate yeah. housewives family. Wow. Well, yeah, I would like, yeah. So I would, I, so desperate housewives was, yeah, I like Mark Terry and I, I love Terry Hatcher. And again, you know, throw back to the Lois and Clark, Terry Hatcher okay. played Lois. So, but I would always use television and movies to like mirror and support me through what I was going through. Totally. So at the time, uh, Desperate Housewives was coming out. There was, you know, did you watch Desperate Housewives? Yes, of course. So yeah, I, there was I'm a gay character. About, oh yes. Yeah, right. Um, there was always the over narration and she would like, you know, it's an odd thing to look back on the world to watch. <laughs> and I would memorize them. But there was one where the dad left and it was at the same time my dad left. So it really helped me kind of go through it. So I always like linked my family to the Desperate Housewives. It was, they're all coping mechanisms. Like they're of all course. just escapism. Like, but it, it really helped me. Totally. So, when was that? When did your dad leave? How old were you? Um, he left a few times. Okay. Uh, the first time when I was, was when I was 16. Okay. It's like full therapy. It's great. Yeah, that's what um, I do. <laughs> yeah, you'll send me the bill after. Uh, uh, yeah, he left when I was 16 and then came back and then left again at uh, when I was starting university. Um, and then came back a year or two later. And then um, he left again for the final time three years ago. Okay. Yeah. So things are... Things okay. are... Yeah, yeah. We, I, I have a relationship with them, but there's been like, there's been significant chunks of my life where there's been no relationship. Oh no, fair enough. My dad, um, my parents split when I was like eight and then my dad moved to BC when I was nine. So oh, wow. it's very much just been like a phone relationship. Like once every couple months we talk, like when do you see him like once a year or no, not that often. Like okay. even when it first started out, it was like once every like three or four years. So it's, Trust me, I get it. It's been a roller coaster of emotion. And there have been chunks where we just like haven't talked. So Okay, yeah. It's, Look, we it's all an have interesting issue. We all yeah, absolutely. And you're close with your mom? Oh yeah, very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Irene, yes. We all Irene, play. I love it. <laughs> we play lots uh, of euchre. Um oh, <laughs> fun. Okay. You're talking about Desperate Housewives. What were some other shows you love? What were some things you remember growing oh. up? queer content or just things that you're like you realize afterwards you're like oh wow me and a bunch of other gays like the same things oh i know that's a really good question um Des uh, so desperate housewives was a big one grace anatomy sure. was another yeah. oh my gosh um, i just rewatched the bomb episode because i would like to watch it every once in a while oh my oh, god it's so there, good i i don't watch the new seasons i i had to stop no um, either but but it's uh yeah there, there's a couple episodes i'll just go back to like the one where it's it's uh 
and, and the show, it's ridiculous. I know it's like, it, it, the, the, the episode title is deny, deny, deny. Uh-huh. It's when Christina like cries and she can't stop crying. Yes. And then infinity by Merrick is playing in the background. <laughs> Whenever I need like a mood booster or like <laughs> I need to contemplate my life, I'll put infinity on. It's my favorite song. It's so good. Um, so uh, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, um, Into You Like a Train was one of my like... favorite episodes. Do you remember when oh, the... Yeah. Where she's like, it's okay. Oh. It's okay. Is he here yet? And then she comes back. Oh. Oh. And the Meredith's like, we yeah. can't just leave her here. And it's all about oh, her and Addison. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and the part where she, it's, is that the one, same one where she's like, choose me, pick me. I'll be at Joe's tonight. Yeah. 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 It's funny because in retrospect, Ellen Pompeo, I believe, has said she's hated that line. She hated that scene because oh, she. I'm sure. Yeah. But she's, she's a powerhouse. I love, yeah. Oh, so she's what phenomenal. Are like? Yeah. I liked uh, The Good Wife. Um, of course, please. Alicia Florick. Yeah, House House of Cards because I love. Uh, I can't remember her name, but the Stern. Anyone that has a what's what was her name? The um, who Claire? The yeah. Oh, Robin. Um, Robin Wright. Ra- Robin Wright. Sorry, Robin just Wright. Robin Wright. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unless there's yeah second name, but she's she's lovely. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah, those were the oh Thirty Rock. Okay. Thirty Rock shaped my humor. Yeah. Did um, you ever watch like late night stuff? Did you ever like? Did you ever like get like Red Shoe Diaries or anything? I remember just like oh. Oh, okay, or like, like catching an episode of Queers Folk. Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't watch Queers like Will and Grace growing up, but in secret, right? Like, or my mom liked it, but I la- like, laughed like ironically. Yeah, like, you're like, you know, oh, gay. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? Isn't that funny? He wants to sleep with another man. That's wild. Oh, the absurdity. Um, lucky that's not me, right, mom? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Will and Grace. Yeah. Um, no, no, not softcore, really. Nothing. Uh, Queers Folk, I wouldn't watch. Because um, you were too afraid of it? Afraid of it. And it kind of, like, it's a wonderful show, but at the time, it, it, it's what I w- didn't want to be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, a lot of those shows just it's hit too close to home. And I was like, I, I didn't want my, and it's such a wonderful show, nothing, but I didn't want my mom seeing that and thinks that, like, suspect anything because I'm watching it or or see that depiction and think that's what, and she, and the, the irony is that it's, it was me that was thinking the whole time. She loves everyone and everything. So. Right. No, it's yeah, all the things the, we tell ourselves. Exactly. Oh, and family guy, family guy is my tried and true. <laughs> like if I want to be in a good middle, go back to family guy. I know that. Yeah. They have a lot of gay jokes in there, but yeah, I can't. Oh, I totally. But <laughs> oh, and I just watched, it's totally, it's not what I grew up with, but Difficult People I've just discovered. Oh, so good. It's, I, I love don't know Julie Klausner so much. I'd never heard of her. She's phenomenal. And Billy Eichner is so amazing. She used to have this podcast called How Was Your Week? And I would, it was every week, it was just her. And you know, I don't know, I find with some podcasts, like, some people are really good at like the opening monologue for like 10, 15 minutes and you just want to hear them talk. And some people are good at interviews, but right. her, she's good at interviews, but like I could listen to her just talk and ramble for like an hour. Like she was, she's so funny and she's so good. Wow. And everything from those made it into the show. Like the show, oh, like her it's life. so smart. Oh my gosh. I, I, have the, I have the third seat. There's only three seasons, right? I think I so, only yeah, have, yeah. I only have the third one left and I'm so sad because when you find a show that that's, that is that good, Oh, you don't want it to sad, end. No, no. Did you ever, did you, have you seen the comeback? Yes. Oh. But only like, not when it was out, like just like a couple years ago when yeah. it was really old. Um, oh. What What's the line? I did it. Or Well, I got it. Well, I got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did yeah, that it. Line. Oh my God. I did it. No, but she's, she's in, yeah. 
phenomenal. Oh, I think Lisa Kudrow is a comedy powerhouse. Like that is. No, I was just, and she just seems like a genuinely nice person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) If if Lisa's listening, I think you're really great. (laughs) Lisa, we love you. I tweeted at her once and she tweeted back and it was like the highlight of my day. Oh, of course, I was, of course you would. I was like, well, I was like, this was years ago, but I was on Twitter and I was like, I follow four different Lisa Kudrow things. I follow Lisa Kudrow. I follow a Valerie Cherish like parody account. That's I followed a Dr. Fiona Wallace parody account because her other show, Web Therapy. And then I was following maybe just like a stupid friends account or something. And she just retweeted back and like, well, I only run this one and this one. And I was like, oh my God, Lisa Kudrow. I'm obsessed. And on top of her whole own social media. That's that's amazing. Lisa Kudrow moment. <laughs> okay, so you're here in the city. You've been here for a while. When did things kind of shift from acting to kind of talking about health, wellness? Poop. Yeah. <laughs> Nutrition. <Poop. laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, I talk a lot about poop. I mean, you really do on your really Instagram do. all well, the time. This is the thing. It's, it's also the great equalizer. We all poop. Oprah poops. We're all, yeah. you know, it's the... We're, we're all just human. So on that subject, I, I have a real pet peeve of people with big egos or think they're above anyone else. Or And unfortunately, there's a lot of that in the acting world. So I, was, <laughs> I bet. I had, I had been acting since I was you know, a teenager-ish. Like I had been auditioning and I had been making a living at it when I, since living in Toronto. So I forget, I was 24, 25 and I was just um, a little emotionally exhausted from it. It was also the time when I was really taking my health seriously and focusing more on like, like yoga and just like spiritual stuff. And so it, there was just a bit of a disconnect where I was sitting in an audition waiting room and there was this actor who was clearly doing one of those actor things where he's trying to psych everyone else out. And he was like, Hey, how's your mom? How is she? And I was, he doesn't know my mom. Like he doesn't know it. It was just, he was that, he was just being a dick. And uh, oh my God, I, at that thing? point, and he's also, he was also super conceited, which is my pet peeve. Um, so at that time I was like, you know what? I think I'm done for now. And I, I talked, I talked to my agent and I said, you know what, I'm, I, I just need to step back. And she didn't want, she said, she said no. And I stayed on for another three months with bad, <laughs> like not wanting to be there. So I, I ended up leaving. And then, uh, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to focus on. I just wanted to like, there was a time I wanted to, you know, go get my yoga teacher training. Cause I was in yoga at the time. And, uh, but I was working at a store and I was giving someone like health like they they were wondering something about this ingredient and this whole time since I lost weight in high school I I my hobby has kind of like been reading health blogs and learning about different hacks which is what they were and this will make you feel calmer before an audition so I was kind of incorporating them all and then that person I was talking to said you kind of you sound like you know quite a bit about this and I kind of was like like aha I'm like oh maybe this is kind of what I want to do right now so I went back to school and studied, decided to go the nutrition route and studied nutrition. And then I worked in a clinic for a while and like interned at a clinic and learned about proper supplementation, that kind of stuff. And then um, with no intention of getting back into the acting realm, but at over, you know, as, as the nutrition stuff was getting busier, um, the business hangover from the acting world kind of got less and less. Right. So I was, I was working in a clinic uh, as a nutritionist and um, uh, an agent approached me that worked at my old agency and said, are you still interested? Are you interested in coming back? Cause there's this opportunity. So I ended up coming back into the industry, but with I'm the break was amazing because I was able to, I became an adult. Like I wasn't a kid trying to be an actor. Like right. I had perspective and I had my anxiety under control and I wasn't a nervous wreck. So, so then both, I kind of had both going on and then, um, yeah. And then I, I started seeing more people outside of the clinic and I left 
the clinic space because people ended up not wanting. I wanted to be in a clinic because it seemed professional and right. I was living my Grace Anatomy dream. Right, of so, course. <laughs> um, but it turned out that not a lot, like people that were coming to see me wanted to avoid clinics. Like they wanted to avoid, like they don't want to go to a doctor's office. Like I was working with some other, like uh, other naturopaths and uh, doctors and I was the nutritionist on. So I just, it worked out that I, it was best I leave. And then I, I, I got asked to, like, to do the morning show and just come on and talk nutrition. And I, right. I said no. And then like didn't do it for a couple of years. And then, and because th- I, I didn't want to be like, I wanted acting to be taken seriously. And I thought you right. could do both. Right, 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 right. So, and then I, it's funny as you grow up and anxiety goes down, I, I care a little bit less what people think. So, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit, but still enough. And <laughs> still enough to just keep me up at night. Yeah. And so I, I, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I, I, I called that producer. And I said, is, it, is the offer still open? Can I go on? And I went on the show and talked about poop and it went okay. And I went on again. And then that kind of just snowballed into just becoming a more regular appearance. And then that became a busier part of my life than I thought it was going to be, but it's been right. great. So I kind of have both. I mean, diversification in this world is never a bad thing. So I kind of have both joys in my life right now. Well, especially right now, I feel like everyone needs to diversify. <laughs> exactly. It used you to never be know. such a bad thing having more than one job. And now it's like the thing that everyone's doing. Want. Yeah. All everyone's my friends are this. opening all these little businesses and things like that. It's great. I know. Side hustle is trending now more than ever. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. So I want to talk to you about, because you're talking about, you know, going back and you were really focusing on nutrition and your body and everything. As a gay man, I feel like it's amplified because all we see are these bodies of these like muscle Adonises yeah. and like whatever. And we're told like, this is what you should look like. Yeah. It's friggin' ridiculous. Mm. But the pressure and the, the subliminal stuff that we see growing up is real. Like I, I idolized Superman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dean Cain. <laughs> I was like, that's what I wanted to be. And little did I know that it was just this, the, the beginning of things to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of comparing myself to other people. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's a struggle. And it, it's funny. It, 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 it's such a thing in gay culture. And, you know, it, it, I, you don't really, until you recognize, you're in it, you don't understand the pressure and the, the, the categorization and the exhaustion it takes of looking at, and Instagram's made it that much worse. Well, and also you're an actor and you're on camera. So yeah. you're, it's, it's a, so much focus. The thing is, once I was, you, it is such a cliche to say because it, you know, especially when people are more fit than they used to be, and it's really easy to roll your eyes. But like, you, you never stop being that fat. Like, I'm still that fat kid. Like, I'm right. still the one that was like, did not, not, not like myself, and then I became too skinny and became, you know, really started monitoring what I was eating. And I, I did not look good, but I was, when people would tell me I was too thin, I was like, Oh, thank you. And they're like, no, that's not <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm like, okay, no, I get it. But thanks. <laughs> yeah. You know, secretly. It, it's, it, and it's still, and it creates this whole, and then I would, and, and it, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, but it, it's, it's something that it's something you just have to watch and catch yourself when you're doing it. When you're, you're not liking whatever state you're in right now, because chances are in 10 years, you're going to wish you had liked it. 10 years ago. Right. Exactly. And the same thing from here and then, because, you know, looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I could, I hated so much about how I looked, but looking back, it was great. Mm. Um, which is so sad. And then life's gone and then life's done. Like, and then it's like over. life's too short, which is ridiculous. So it's something I, I always have to be, um, cognizant of, like I have to catch myself when I'm doing it and realize that I'm the only person that thinks this, like, I, I, it's just, it only matters to me. Like right. I am the person that cares the friggin' most. 
and it's true for all of us. We just have to stop it before it becomes a habit and a pattern. And I know it can be a slippery slope. Yeah. I think the trick for me has just been catching myself when I'm doing it and not going down and not, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And there will always be someone who looks better. There will always be some like anything. There's, there's going to be people that make more money and there's like, it's ridiculous and life's too short. And it's my God. Like, and it sounds like I, I love um, another movie is uh, I feel pretty, even though it got canned by the critics right. for the wrong reasons, but like that, I can watch <laughs> that movie over and over again. Cause it's like people that, that panned her because she's like, you're not overweight. You, you're normal. And the whole point is that is how she saw herself. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. So I think it's just, I, confidence is the sexiest thing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm nitpicking my body and nitpicking how I'm looking, depending on whatever state, that's not confident. So <laughs> Well, and totally. And there's a couple of things you talked about that I want to touch upon. Like, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, we're telling ourselves these stories over and over and you get stuck in that and it's your ego. And you're just like, I need to stop this in its tracks, realize that I am not these thoughts. I am just like observing these thoughts and like totally remove it. Right. Like the only way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it's a terrible way to live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And honest, and also what you're talking about, you know, comparison being the thief of joy. I mean, how many times have you done that in your own career or your own life? Oh my gosh. Consistently. I've, and it, you think you're beyond it and then it happens again. Mm-hmm. Like this is, these past couple of weeks, like in full transparency, it's been like, I've been comparing myself, not trying to, like I trying not to think of it, but you still fall into that trap and then you kind of go down. And it's something just to remind yourself of. And normally when I'm, comparing or I find myself comparing and thinking less I'm I'm not focusing on myself and what I should be doing right I'm not being busy yeah (laughs) or not that you should escape it but it normally is like (laughs) why am I doing this what oh I can be focusing my energy on something else and that's not escapism but sometimes if I'm going down the I call it going down the rabbit hole it's because I'm just I don't know but it it compare it's such a waste of time and I always say it's like the I always, I, I'm a visual person, so I like looking at visualizations. And it's literally like the, the tool I use in my head is taking the spotlight off of them and mm-hmm. placing it on myself. Right. And you're the center because you, you, like, you are the lead of your own movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I putting, why am I putting all of these people you know, in the leading roles? And ahead, in my head. And it, the thing is, and it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help you become more confident, which will lead to more success. It doesn't help you feel better about yourself, which will help you sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. It's a completely useless tool. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm trying to feed the, feed the other wolf, <laughs> that, that phrase. Um, did you ever use like dating apps and stuff or was that never your thing? No, I never did. I've used my friends because I've wanted to play with it. Um, but no, the, the Facebook was my big thing, um, back way back when, but yeah, never I think they're great. I wish I did, but yeah, I never did. I was going to say, you have a very attractive partner, (laughs) Mark, right? Yeah, he's okay. (laughs) He's okay. How long have you guys been together? Uh, We've been together, I guess, almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a very long time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my, my relationship before that was seven years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I'm a relationship. You're a relationship guy. I have been in one relationship for maybe a year and a half in my entire life. Awesome. (laughs) That's okay. There's no right or wrong. That's amazing. Do you want to be a relationshipper? 
Like, I don't do know you wanna... if I want to be a relationshipper, but I mean, it would be. Oh yeah, I guess it's like, <laughs> really, uh, yeah. What what would you like is the question? I guess I don't know. It would just you know it'd be nice to have another relationship. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> did you ever? I mean, we kind of talked about this. It seems like you know. Did you ever have anxiety when dating? I guess early on you did, but that was more oh gosh, so yes. hiding things. Yeah, no, hiding things and. Well, anxiety, and it was also, you know, coming to terms with dating a guy and being public. Like, it, it took so long for me to want to be out in public, like that kind of stuff. Right. So definitely in the beginning, yes. Um, and I guess anxiety, like, it manifests in different ways, and it's not necessarily, the, like, especially later use. It's not, it's not the uh, the dating process or anything. It's just, like, the anxiety of having things your way and like my OCD tendencies and like, I, I like routine and structure and it, like dating and, uh, you know, starting to see someone new or whatever you, you have to adjust and compromise right. and like get off your routine. And I, I, which is good for me being an A type, but it's right. like causes anxiety. So I feel like it's an anxiety like pops up and you're like, Oh, I didn't know you could manifest that way. Hey, anxiety. What's going on? <laughs> you have to stop and be like, Oh, that's what this is. That's who's yeah. showing up today. Cause exactly. you're like, Oh, I'm so angry at you for blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, wait a second, what's really going on here? That's the thing. It's, it's, it's observing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, that's why people meditate. So you can just get better at observing your thoughts and not hooking onto them. Not they become, them, they be, yeah. not being them. They become like clouds that pass along and you don't have to suck them into you. Um, so, <laughs> you don't have yeah. to suck them into you. Oh. <laughs> so what, what would yeah, you we say? We need like a, if the quagmire, like the anxious gay. Like yeah. a little theme <laughs> that pops up when someone says something stupid. <laughs> says something uh, filthy. Um, yes. <laughs> what would you say are some of your best tools in your toolbox to work through those moments? Oh, oh, like when anxiety pops up? Yeah. Um, breath work is huge. Mm-hmm. And I know we, especially now with Instagram, there's so much out there, but it really is something that's completely free. And it's an actual tool that you, you, you can control your physiology with breath. And it, you can switch your body and switch your hormone, like all with breath. So you have more control than you think. I think if people understood exactly that what happens physiologically and the power that breath is and that you can, they'd use it more often, but like there's a couple, you know, breath hacks that I, that I use in the moment. Um, If, you know, meditation has been a game changer when it comes to anxiety. Right. Um, And we can talk about, you know, my recommendation for that after, but like, and I have some, like, I have like tears when I, when I have anxiety hits, like I'll do my meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's, if I can't meditate, I'll do like uh, some of my favorite breath hacks, like the four, seven, eight breath where you breathe in for four, you hold for seven, you breathe out for eight and just repeat that. Um, or the box breath works better for some people where you mm-hmm. breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Like doing that can help calm the system down. Um, I also have like my supplement hacks, like my, my go-to anxiety things right, that right. I, I keep an arsenal because it, it's like my, <laughs> it's, I call it like my witch's brew. Like I have my cabinet of witch stuff. Like sometimes it'll be, um, I'll, I'll make holy basil tea, which is an amazing thing for people suffering from anxiety. It, it's, it's, it's a plant that it's, it's called an adaptogen. So it helps your body adapt to stress. Um, have you ever tried it? No, I haven't. Okay. So this is like I my first to. go-to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great in, in, in Ayurvedic, Ayurveda, Ayurvedic medicine. It's used quite a bit. Um, it's this herb, it's uncaffeinated and you can get it in pills or 
you know, tincture, but like a tease because it tastes good. So a tea is the easiest way to do it. Okay. And it, it helps your body adapt to stress. So if you're feeling really low and you're sad and you, you can't get up, it can help give your body an energy boost. But on the other end, if you're running too high and you're really anxious, it'll help calm you down. It's oh. really useful for people that suffer with social anxiety. If you want to be at a party and you, you don't want to drink, you can bring holy basil tea is amazing. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That's good. That's another thing. Chewable GABA is something else that people can look into. It's a, it's a, it's a inhibitory neuro- neurotransmitter that we make, but you can get it in chewable form. Okay. And you basically chew, uh, people use it for sleep, but chewing on GABA helps as well. There's also something really gentle called rescue remedy that I grew up with. Um, it's basically fly. And this is like, maybe like the perfect, like, Anxious gay sponsor, if you're looking for one, because <laughs> uh, it's it's five flower remedies okay. that are incredibly calming, and it, it, so and essentially you can and gay, <laughs> so you can get it in drops and you put it in your water and you drink it. You can also they come in gum form now in gummies, but um, the drops are the easiest thing to, t- thing to take. Um, they also make them for dogs uh, and oh. cats because dogs and cats can be anxious too. But of course, rescue remedy is something to consider. So holy basil, GABA. Um, and rescue remedy is something to consider. And then um, the other thing would be, because it's a big deficiency in North America and anxiety is also rampant, would be uh, magnesium. Okay. So there's, there's a, a drink called Calm, um, which yeah. is huge now. It used to be like a small little thing and they've really expanded. <laughs> it's nice how the anxiety market has gotten so much bigger. Well, it's and gotten way bigger, yeah. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> but essentially, a lot of people are deficient in magnesium because primarily because of the Western diet. And food isn't as nutritious as it once was. There's a whole combination, but um, calm is just magnesium powder. Okay. And you, it's kind of you put a teaspoon in and you mix it in your water, and it tastes fizzy and lime. And people tend to drink it before bed because it helps people sleep. But if you suffer from like anxiety during the day, it's awesome during the day as well to drink. Oh wow! But yeah. Um, that sounds great. And also, of, like lots of options. I know. I feel like there's tons of options. Um, yeah. Do you? I mean, do you drink? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I went okay. through a period of not because like I was very intense. It just coming to terms like it was definitely like a rocky road for a little bit. So I right. took a long break um, and then did some self-work. And now that I know uh, how it affects me, it's not something I want to be doing all the time. Totally. And when I do, I try to take strategies to like lessen the effect on me. Like yeah. there's, there's yeah. lots of little different hacks. Like when you drink, there's so much like, when you, of course, like the, we could go into it. So like the water between each drink, but you know, a few drinks in people can forget. Yeah. Um, vitamin <laughs> C, vitamin C is awesome. Um, there's also a supplement called party smart. If oh. you've seen it out. So it's called it, it, it's been clinically proven, like scientific, like studies proven. They funded the study, but still, <laughs> uh, it, it helps prevent a hangover. So you take it one with your first drink. Um, and that's effective too. And, uh, so yeah, vitamin C is a big one because mm-hmm. your body uses up quite a bit when your liver's kind of doing its job. Totally. Um, there's a there's something called NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, which boosts glutathione in the liver, which is your body's master antioxidant. And you want to do this to protect your liver. Right. Um, so NAC, vitamin C, and Party Smart would be something to look into, and magnesium before bed. So this thing, I, like I, I've grown, like grown, like when you know how things affect you you kind of become your own detective totally. and you find what works and what doesn't if you know, and know what liquors will make you angry and what, what you, what, you know, <laughs> when you are drinking, there are certain liquors that or alcohols that are 
um, higher in something called congeners, which can affect you a little bit worse. So like the clearer spirits are the ones to go. Like there is science behind all that stuff when it's like, right. you know, that's interesting. No, no, no. That's fascinating. Yeah. I'm right now, like I'm taking a break for a little while yeah. and it's like, it's actually really funny after the first little while of taking a break, I felt almost like my energy spiked. Like I was almost like manic for a few days. Like, oh, it's just like so much energy. I'm not drained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, this is a different kind of thing. But yeah. Well, this is the thing. It, it's interesting because it's like, I, and especially in like the health field, when you get used to a certain, like you've been maybe not eating the best and you tend to like maybe drink every night or you just get used to a certain level of normal. Mm-hmm. And some people don't realize how good they can actually feel. Like, I think it's good yeah. to take breaks from everything. And I think moderation is amazing. Like do, like live your life. Don't be a purist unless you that unless you love that like don't feel that you need to deprive yourself all the time but go periods without some of the things you normally do like maybe less fried food than normal just just to see how you feel and you might feel amazing and you might not like when you get back you know you might not want to do it as much because you totally. know how good it feels to you know it's just give your body a chance to know what it's like to feel amazing so that you can make a more informed decision when you you know drink or maybe eat crappier food than normal you know yeah. I totally agree. I feel like every once in a while, a break like that is so beneficial and yeah. has really like opened my eyes to be like, oh, wow, this is what it's like to not have sugar for 30 days. This feels <laughs> yeah, great. First, first, first oh my God, they're the worst. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so last couple of questions. Do you consider yourself spiritual? Yes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say religious, but it's spiritual. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And do yeah. you, so I was going to say, I mean, like even just the things that we're talking about to me, kind of relate back to that do you have like your routines or things you do in the morning to like start your day yeah totally um so uh i tend to now i have a little pup so i walk in the morning which has actually (laughs) been amazing because i I used to i used to go before i had him um i used to go outside on the balcony and it sounds so stupid but i used to say hello to the day Mm -hmm. and um and do affirmations like affirmations are a powerful tool um so there's a book well there's a book called um, The Big Leap okay. by Gay Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, it's all about how people upper limit themselves and basically get in their own way. It's one of my favorite books. Um, but he has an affirmation that I start my, I used to start my day with like, uh, I forget what it is. No, I, I expand in abundant success and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. So that was his affirmation. So I started doing that for fun. And then I started feeling better, actually. So totally. Affirmations. So I'll walk my dog. I'll have. Um, I'll, I'll normally have bulletproof coffee in the morning. Um, I like my rule is fat first. Like uh-huh. I have fat in the, like uh, fat as opposed to carbs first thing in the morning. Cause you don't get a mo- any energy crash that you do with carbs. So fat first, and then I'll meditate for 15 minutes. Okay. Um, and then I'll also meditate 15 minutes in the afternoon if I can. Um, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I'll, I'll write out a to-do list of, for the day which I should do at night, uh, but I do it in the morning. <laughs> Even if it's stupid stuff, like I'll write, meditate, I'll write the little stuff because I find crossing stuff off. Oh, totally. It's like, like yeah. you're like, I'm doing it. I'm accomplishing things. Yeah, Tasks absolutely. complete. Absolutely. And then I'll have my fiber because, <laughs> because, because, because you need to be eliminating properly for happy health. So oh. fiber, fiber, you know what? Fiber is part of my spiritual practice. I believe it. You... If you're constipated, the last thing you are is a peaceful, spiritual person. <laughs> so you got to get the you got to get the sludge out for you to be think clearly and just be lighter. I love that and be lighter. Oh my god, yeah, it, like it makes you, sense. I think I think Oprah said like 
Um, <laughs> if, I, if I may coin Oprah, like <laughs> you never feel as good as after you have a good poop or something like that. I'm sure she did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening, Oprah, I am sorry I misquoted you, but I agree with the idea around it. Look, that was so much information and I love all of it. And I love your Instagram because I love checking it out and I love seeing all these things because you put all of these hacks up there. And whenever you make appearances, you talk about all this stuff. And I just, you know what? You're doing great work. And I think you're helping a lot of people out. Brett, thank you so much. This has been lovely. <laughs> Me included. Thank you. you. This included. has been awesome. You're, you're wonderful. Yeah. And keep this up. You are, you know, I, I say this with like sincerity. You're a really great interviewer. Well, you make it you. very easy and keep doing this, please, because the world needs more anxious gay. <laughs> There's a lot of us. <laughs> I, thank I know. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you.